data regulation, Senate hearings, frantic share prices. So far in 2018, the global tech sector has been a pretty exciting place for investors. Walter Price, portfolio manager of Allianz Technology Trust, knows all about the highs and lows of tech investment. With an investment career spanning 40 years, he's seen the emergence of market bubbles and their subsequent burst. And since 2013, he's managed a portfolio which has recorded cumulative returns of nearly 260% over the last five years. I'm Megan Boxall, and in this special IC podcast, we're going to be discussing the investment opportunities in the global technology sector. Walter, thanks very much for coming in. So to start, what do you think are the most exciting areas of technology at the moment? Well, our our portfolio is heavily uh, exposed to cloud computing uh, because I think it's part of what I and other people have been calling the the fourth industrial revolution. I think uh, moving your data processing to the cloud and moving your data to the cloud allows you to uh, take advantage of these new technologies like artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning so you can improve the productivity of your companies. And so I think we're we're kind of at the beginning of that, and I think it's quite an exciting period for technology investors. Yeah, absolutely. What do you sort of see as the time frame for these things coming on board? I mean, obviously, we've already got a little bit of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. in the market, in some areas of the market, but I know some people are thinking that technology and artificial intelligence are going to play a much ra- larger role in the future. Mm-hmm. W- well, yeah, when do you see it coming into play fully? Well, I think first you've got to get uh, most of your data into uh, the cloud, and uh, companies are really in the early stages of that. Uh, You know, probably no more than 10% of their data is in the cloud now. And so I think that's going to take another five years before you get uh, most of your data in the cloud, particularly your historical data. And uh, then I think uh, it's kind of this gift that keeps on giving. Uh, you get improvements in productivity, you get new insights, uh, you get more data, you analyze it and, and uh, pr- improve your processes. And so I think, you know, it's the beginning of a productivity wave that I think will be quite beneficial to the world economy. Mm, yeah, it's really interesting. But obviously, with more data being in the cloud, more t- data being arguably more readily available to not just the company that owns it, but also to external forces, Security, cybersecurity is a major thing to be looking at. And we've seen that recently, very newsworthy with the Cambridge Analytica hack or mining of the information from Facebook. Um, do you see cybersecurity as a big area of investment as well? Yeah, cybersecurity is a, a big area for our fund. And uh, we actually manage a separate cybersecurity fund. Uh, so we're big fans of cybersecurity. And we think that there's a dividend to the cloud in terms of efficiency. There's a cost to the cloud in the fact that you have to uh, spend more on security mm-hmm. to secure your data, secure your access. Uh, and I think that companies are going to continue to invest in cybersecurity and yeah. have to. So when you're looking at companies that are in both cybersecurity and in the cloud, are you looking at software as a service companies more often than not? Yeah, most of our holdings are in uh, infrastructure companies like Amazon and Microsoft or uh, software-as-a-service companies mm-hmm. like uh, ServiceNow or Salesforce.com or Workday, companies like that. They see a lot of your portfolios in the U.S. I think it's 87%. Um, <laughs> do you see any companies in any of those areas in the U.K. or in Europe? Uh, yeah, we own a cybersecurity company called Sophos uh, in uh, the U.K. that that was a very good stock for us last year. Um, and um, I think in terms of Europe, um, 
Uh, we own a company called Temenos, which is uh, doing a great job in moving their customers to new banking systems, uh, and they have a, a software as a service offering in the cloud. So, um, you know, I think that you're going to see more companies with expertise in industries uh, move their software to the cloud and become uh, uh, vertical software giants. Okay. And you mentioned Amazon. That That's your largest holding. Mm-hmm. So do you still see the growth rates that we've seen from Amazon over the last few years continuing for the foreseeable future? Well, I think uh, trees don't grow to the sky, so... <laughs> Uh, chances are the growth rate will continue to uh, slow down a little bit, but I think e-commerce is still pretty early in its uh, in its penetration. It's uh, actually the UK is more penetrated than the US at about fifteen percent in e-commerce, but uh, I think e-commerce can easily be forty to fifty percent of commerce. So you you have a long runway of continued penetration in areas like food and uh, clothing where the penetration is still pretty low. Mm-hmm. But then with Amazon and with a lot of its huge peers, there's obviously a lot of talk at the moment about regulation, stopping their dominance. They've got too much influence in in both the US and in the global tech sector. Do you see that as a problem for Amazon or is it just too difficult to regulate? Well, I think Amazon's been pretty, uh, pretty reasonable in accepting... Uh, you know, sales taxes, for example. Like I can remember when I first used Amazon, one of the attractions was I never paid sales taxes on the purchase. Um, and then, uh, you know, they put a warehouse in California, and all at once I was paying sales tax on my purchases. And now I always pay sales taxes, it seems, when I'm on Amazon. And, and the attraction is not so much uh, saving money on avoiding sales taxes, but the convenience and the, and the selection and uh, the time that it saves me in shopping. So I think those are really the enduring qualities that will allow Amazon to continue to take share. You know, their logistics system is uh, is uh, really their secret sauce, and I think that that's the thing that no one else has been able to duplicate. So the post office is part of that logistics system, but clearly if they're going to increase their volume by a factor of four, uh, they're going to have to build out more and more logistics on their own. And uh, they're doing that with contractors and, and their own planes and, and so forth. So, uh, you know, I think that, you know, people complain about the post office, for example. Donald Trump's been tweeting about that a lot in the U.S. And to me, uh, it, you know, the, the without Amazon, we would be uh, talking about huge deficits in the post office and we'd be talking about laying off uh, hundreds of thousands of employees because there's no more people that are sending email instead of regular mail and and the post office would be in deep trouble, uh, a lot more trouble than it is today. So I think think, uh, a lot of these are people just griping about, uh, you know, Donald Trump's Got, is a real estate person and yeah. uh, real estate uh, in office towers uh, to you know dress shops are not so common anymore, and so that's a problem for some of his friends and and himself. And so he's tweeting about Amazon having an unfair advantage, but uh, you're not going to stop progress, and you're not going to stop consumers from uh, picking the best alternative. Interesting. So Amazon is a force for good. I I, I think it's a force for good. How about Facebook and Alphabet or Google? I, you know, I think that those companies uh, 
probably needs some regulation. And, and uh, you know, I'm a- actually happy to see the EU kind of setting the tone for the world in terms of regulation. I think uh, we give away a lot of our property rights uh, associated with our identity uh, very easily. And it's good to be reminded uh, with GDPR that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm getting a service for it and I understand that I'm trading off uh, – being tracked around the internet in exchange for yeah. a better service. And so, uh, and there are certain rules and certain um, data protection uh, uh, policies that should be put into place. And I, I think that's all part of, you know, government kind of figuring out we need to do something here and the companies are, are naturally going to respond when they have to, but not if they don't have to. So, so is the fear of regulation why you sold down both Facebook and Google earlier this year? Yeah, I, I think uh, GDPR we thought was more of a f- factor than people thought it would be in terms of uh, reducing the ROI for advertisers and making the business uh, the businesses grow a little bit slower. But, you know, at this point, it's, you know, you've had a lot of negative publicity about uh, advertising and we've actually been buying some Facebook back. So we think uh, the fears that we had that Congress would put some sort of draconian regulation in place look like uh, it's not going to happen for a while. And I think they can deal with GDPR because they have the best first-party database already. So uh, I I actually think Facebook's in better shape than a lot of other companies that are doing internet advertising. Okay. So with 2 billion users already, can Facebook keep growing? They can keep growing, but they're not going to keep growing at the same rate they've been growing. I mean, one of the the second reason that we sold those stocks down is that digital advertising is now fifty percent of advertising, and and advertising is only growing uh, a few percent a year. And so you have this asymptote of advertising budgets uh, that may grow a little bit faster, but um, you know, Facebook and Google now have you know, in many markets, they have half the business, and yeah. so they're going to slow down inevitably. Mm-hmm. And how about the influence of Amazon in the advertising space and maybe even Netflix at some point as well? Do you think there's a risk of those two companies stealing a bit of advertising share from Facebook and Google? Well, Netflix has been pretty uh, determined not to go into the advertising round. Uh, you know, I think they really like their low price, uh, high quality experience. And I think that what Netflix has shown is that if people have a choice of advertising content or not advertising content and the price is pretty low, they'll, they'll opt for the non-advertising content and watch their movie without interruptions or their TV show without interruptions. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I really think that uh, part of the attraction of Netflix is that you don't have 20 advertise, uh, yeah. advertisements in an hour. Uh, but then if they're having to spend – what is it they've announced so much money yeah. Yeah. on uh, on content are they have going to have to find a new source of revenue at some point well, i think as long as their subscriber growth is as healthy as it is um and their fees are you know a hundred dollars a year i think uh you know that's a pretty good deal i think for most people we're seeing them build relationships with telecom companies and cable companies so it's kind of becoming the preferred uh, way to uh, experience content from Netflix is actually through uh, these uh, uh, these intermediaries. So I think that will allow them to grow their subscribers a lot, actually. Okay. 
And then the final Fang stock that we haven't talked about yet is obviously Apple. Um, mm -hmm. I think you've said before that you're not overly impressed with the iPhone X. Um, do you think Apple is going to struggle to maintain its dominance? I, I think they're struggling. But, you know, their customers are also very, very loyal. Well, and they're also hooked between iMessage and, you know, their family and friends are on messaging with Apple. So it's, it's really hard to get off the Apple ecosystem. And so I think their, their issue is how do they continue to grow when it looks like uh, uh, they've saturated the market and uh, their customers aren't eager to upgrade it for a spend a thousand dollars for a new phone yes, they don't so they don't get the utility in that in that purchase and so um you know i think they have to do a better job at um, services such as music or uh video uh, so that's a challenge for that company yeah absolutely so in terms of the short-term outlook for the tech sector, there are a lot of sort of clouds that we've been talking about for a long time, but they've been growing to a head a bit more in the last few weeks. Do you still see the turbulence continuing over the short term? Well, I think it's not a straight-up sector, meaning there, there are issues with some of the companies. Uh, you know, Apple, for example, has got a real demand problem, uh, and I think they continue revising down their estimates of production. So... Um, I think if you're involved in the Apple supply chain, you're going to have disappointing results this okay. year. Um, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about advertising, but, you know, advertising can't continue to grow at, you know, 30 to 50 percent a year. I mean, it just uh, – the, the math just doesn't work. So expectations probably have to come down about future growth rates there. Mm -hmm. But um, cloud computing, I think it's still early days. So, I, you know, I think it's not a – it's not – uh, rising tide lifts all boats. I think uh, this year it's more of the uh, corporate sector that's driving demand and driving earnings and uh, less about the consumer. Yeah. And in terms of the share prices, whenever anything bad happens at the the big four, big five companies, the whole sector seems to struggle, partly because they do control such a large part of the sector in terms mm -hmm. of their market capitalization. Mm -hmm. So if those large companies do continue to struggle with regulation or demand, like you say, do you think there'll be good value opportunities in some areas of the market? Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, we've started buying Facebook back because yeah. I think people get, you know, they get too negative about the companies uh, and you get an opportunity to buy the stock at a reasonable valuation, which is the case in Facebook today. Um, but I think that... Uh, you have to temper your expectations about growth rates and be realistic about growth rates when you do that. So uh, don't assume that Facebook's going to grow at 25% a year forever. I, I don't think that's a realistic assumption. Yeah. And how about some of the smaller mid-cap companies? I think there you're less constrained by uh, the advertising market or the e-commerce market. I think uh, there you can continue to grow for you know 30% a year for a long time. So uh, I think that's the heart of our portfolio, really, and uh, those are the companies that are growing their earnings on average 30% this year. So yeah. we feel good about those companies. Great. Okay, well, thanks very much for coming in. Good no, to speak you, to you. And thanks to you for listening. For more episodes of IC Podcast, head to our website or ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.